To begin with the story, this uh, coming week is Lag Boimer. It's customary to go to the resting place of Rabbi Shun Bayechoi, the great Sadiq and the author of the Zohar, to tell a story about Mekoymei Sakadoshim, holy places. In the time of the Alter Rebbe, there was a Chassid by the name of Rav Shmuel Munkis. He was a brilliant, brilliant Torah scholar. At the same time, he was also a comedian. He was a big joker, a great sense of humor. And in his town, a Magid came to preach to the people of the town. In those days, the Magidim would speak fire and brimstone, but at the same time, they'd also be very condescending. And they would reprimand the people and scare them that their misdeeds would bring them to hell and purgatory. The Baal Shem Tov was very against this form of preaching. The Baal Shem Tov believed that every Jew is like God's only child and therefore every Jew is loved. And though perhaps a Jew may violate some of the Torah law, it's only because of the fact that they were not educated properly, or because of the fact that they had difficulties in life and challenges. And therefore, rather than reprimanding the Jews to inspire them and encourage them to do more mitzvahs, this, this Magid came to the town, and he began to scare their community and to criticize them. And so Rabbi Shmuel Munkas decided he had to do something about it. After Shabbos, Saturday night, middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning, he barges into this Magid's, this preacher's room. He wakes him up, and the Magid wakes up, and he sees Shmuel Mokas standing on top of him. Shmuel Mokas puts on his white robe for Yom Kippur, his white yarmulke, and he has in his hand a big chalif, a big, big knife that you use to slaughter cows. And he says, I'm now going to shecht you, make your last blessings. And the Magi said, why? Why are you going to shecht me for? Why are you going to kill me for? What did I do wrong? He said, you did wrong. You did nothing wrong. On the contrary, today you were preaching in the synagogue how you are a tzaddik. You're so holy. You're so godly. You're so spiritual. And I'll tell you the truth. You know, we were looking for a tzaddik to be buried in our community. Because it's a big mitzvah to go to the graves of tzaddikim and pray there. And we have no tzaddik around. And I was looking for a tzaddik. And after today, I found a tzaddik. You are so holy and so pious. You are the right person to be buried right here in our town. And we're going to go over and pray to you all the time. The Magi began to tremble. He said, no, 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 I'm not such a big tzaddik. I'm not so holy. But you said this and the other thing. He says, yeah, I was only joking. I'm not so holy. I actually made a big sin last week. Oh, really? One sin, that's it? Eh. You're still a tzaddik, you're still holy, we'll still, we'll still take you and we'll still shecht you, we'll slaughter you and bury you right here in town. He says, no, 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 I'll tell you the truth, even this morning I did another sin. Oh, two sins are also mishkeferlech. He says, Rabbi, look, I'll be honest with you, I'm not what I make out to be. I'm not such a big tzaddik. I do many, many sins and many avarice and many violations. I maybe preach that way, but I don't practice. Ah, you're not such a big tzaddik. So from now on, be very careful how you speak to our brothers and sisters. Talk with love and talk with inspiration. So this is the introduction 
to Perkyavis, Ethics of Our Fathers, which we study between Passover and Shavuos, and then we extend this throughout the summer days to give us encouragement and to strengthen our, our emuna, our faith in Almighty God. Today we read chapter number 3. Mishnah number 13. In other editions, it's a different Mishnah. But the Mishnah begins like this. Rabbi Akiva Oimer. Rabbi Akiva says, Sechoik v'kalis roish margilin esa adam le'erva. Rabbi Akiva says that laughter and frivolity brings a man to lewdness. It brings a person to, to nakedness. The actual translation of erva means nakedness. And therefore one should be careful, even though you should be joyous and happy. However, not to become frivolous and to become lightheaded. Number two, says Rabbi Akiva, Masoidus Siyogletorah. Tradition, the transmitted oral law, is a fence around the Torah. Now, there are many ways to translate this. One way to translate this is that the rabbis made fences around the Torah. For example, we can recite the evening Shema all night long. Came along the rabbis, they made a fence and said, do not recite the Shema after midnight. Why? Because of the concern that you will fall asleep and forget to recite the Shema. But the Bartonura actually says that Masoidus means that the way the rabbis of the Masorah passed on the Torah, that there are certain words that are missing letters and certain words that have additional letters, this too is integral to the laws of the Torah. And he gives two examples. Number one is, we find pertaining to the holiday of Sukkot. It says in the Torah, the word Sukkah, 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 three times. The first time Sukkah is with a Vav, the letter Vav, which looks like the number one. And the other two times, Sukkah is missing the letter Vav. Says the Matanura, why is it missing the Vav? Comes along the Gemara and explains that the reason why it's missing the Vav is to teach us that a Sukkah is kosher with three walls and is based on the word Sukkah. First you have the Samach, which is totally square around, implying a Sukkah of four walls. Then you have the letter Chaf, that looks like this, right? A sukkah of three walls. Then you have the letter hay, which looks like this, implying a, letter, a, a sukkah of two walls, and a third short wall would also be a kosher sukkah. So the actual way it is written in the Torah scroll, and it is a mesorah, it is passed on from generation to generation to be written in that form. This is also a fence around the Torah that continues to provide us the tradition of the Torah. Another example he gives is that pertaining to the holidays. It says, These are the holidays of God that you shall call. Now in the Torah, it's missing the letter Vav again. So really it says, Atem. Atem, you shall call, not you shall call them. 
Why Atem? Says the Gemara that it says Atem three times, missing the letter Vav, to teach us. Atem you afilu sheigim, even if you make a mistake. Atem afilu mezidim. And Atem afilu mutayim. What does that mean? We know in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, the time of the Holy Temple, they would designate the new month based on witnesses. And they would intercalate the calculator or intercalate the calendar based on the months of the year. In other words, that Passover should fall out always in the spring. And therefore the Bezdin were the ones that decided when the new month would fall out. Says the Torah that you, you the Bezdin, even if you make a mistake in your calculation, even if you make a mistake and you purposely make the holiday on a different day, or you make a mistake. So, on all these levels, Atem, it's up to you, and the halacha is that way. The law is that way, and therefore the holiday will fall out on that day, even if you did it purposely or mistakenly, and you violated the actual day. We follow you, the Bezdin. So here again, the missing Vav implies a halacha that Bezin has the power to determine when the holiday will fall out. This is the meaning of Masoidus. Then Rabbi Kiva goes on to say, Maisreis siyagloisha. Tithes are offense to wealth. What does that mean? That if you give tzedakah, if you give 10% of your earnings, and says the Talmud even 20% of your earnings, this is the fence to become rich. If you want to become rich, the best way to become rich is by giving tzedakah. The Gemara tells us that God requests of us, challenge me. I beg you, challenge me to give tzedakah and I will pay you back many times over. So even though when it comes to other mitzvahs, we have no right to challenge God, when it comes to maizreis, when it comes to the tithes, when it comes to tzedakah, we have a right to say, God, I will challenge you. I will give a million dollars for tzedakah on the condition that you make me rich. So this is the way you preserve your money. It's a fence to preserve your money. To preserve your wealth, says Rabbi Kiva, Maisra is to make sure to give tithes. A businessman once came to the Rebbe and asked him, what can we do to bring Mashiach? And the Rebbe said to him, as a businessman, you should give 20% of your earnings to charity. And furthermore, inspire your colleagues that they too should give 20% of their earnings to charity. As we know that, even though in the earlier generations, the main mitzvah was the study of Torah, says the Alter Rebbe, that nowadays the main mitzvah is charity. And through charity, we bring about redemption. And through charity, we bring healing. We save people from death. It's a very powerful concept, a very powerful mitzvah. Rabbi Akiva continues, Nedarim By making a vow, you protect yourself from violating the laws of Torah. Or literally, Nedarim vows are a fence for abstinence. In other words, if a person has an addiction to wine, he has an addiction to meat, they overeat, they have a right to make a neder, to take an oath. I make this wine as holy as wine as a sacrifice. I make this meat 
as holy as a sacrifice. And therefore, I'm prohibited to eat this meat or this wine. That is the way a person has the power to overcome his temptations. Finally, a fence for wisdom is silence. Sayog If you want to become smart, don't talk so much. Listen, be silent. These are the five teachings in this Mishnah of Rabbi Akiva. I would like to take it to the next level. Rabbi Akiva, we know, was not only a great halachist, but he was also a great Kabbalist. He wrote a book on the letters known as Oisius Rabbi Akiva, the letters of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was also the teacher of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. <clears throat> Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was the author of the Zohar, the secrets of the Torah. Rabbi Akiva told Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Dayoch Shani Uboirach Makirin Eskoyichacha. It's enough that I and God, your Creator, know your greatness. There's no doubt that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who authored the Zohar, which is the classical work on mysticism, surely received much of his wisdom and inspiration from Rabbi Akiva. And there are those who say that Rabbi Akiva authored the book known as Sefer Yitzhira, the oldest book on Kabbalah on the secrets of creation. So there's no doubt that Rabbi Akiva was familiar with this. And therefore everything he said is connected to the mystical aspect of Torah as well. And so let us go and relearn the Mishnah backwards from the end to the beginning and see how it applies to the ten Sfirot and to the letters of God's holy, ineffable name. We begin with Sayyag Lachachma Shasika. The fence for Chachma is silence. Chachma is the first of the ten Sfirot. Sayyag. Sayyag is not only a fence, but a crown. If you want to go beyond Chachma, if you want to go to the crown of Torah, Shesika, that is through silence. Silence represents humility. When a person has bitl, when a person is humble, a person is able to acquire the level of Keser, the level of the divine crown, which is the letter Yud of God's ineffable name. Yud represents Chachma, rather, and the point of the Yud represents the crown of the Torah. So Sayyag Chachma, if you want to go to the crown of Chachma, Shasika, be silent. That is, if you want to go to the crown of the letter Yud, have Bittal, be humble. The next is Nedarim Sayyag Prishus. Through making an oath, you're able to acquire the level of prishus, the level of abstinence. A person makes an oath because he needs that strength to overcome his addiction, to overcome his temptations. The power of Nidarim, says Kabbalah and Chsidis, is from Makifim de Bina, from the level of Bina of understanding. Through this level of Bina, we acquire strength to overcome these temptations. In truth, the next level is to annul these vows, like we do on Yom Kippur, Kol Nidre. We annul the vows. Because after you, you have now acquired enough strength, 
You don't need the vow any longer. So there are really two levels here. There's the vow. The vow is iskafia, to use the Hasidic vernacular. The vow is iskafia, which means to subjugate the animal soul. The animal soul is there, it's powerful, it's strong, but I'm overpowering it with my neder, with my, with my vow. And then you reach the next level, which is chachma, higher than the vow, to annul the vow, which is ishapcha, transformation. And that I use now this addiction, I use this energy, I use this drive to serve Almighty God. And so we have chachma and we have bina. We now move on to the third level. Says Rabbi Akiva, you should know that if you want to become rich, give tzedakah. Maisreis seyag oisher. This represents the level of da'as, knowledge. Chachma bina da'as, the three levels of intellect. How do we see that wealth represents knowledge? Says the Gemara very simply, Ein ani ela bida'as. Who is truly a poor person? One that has no knowledge. In other words, if you have no money, you're not really poor. One day you have money, one day you don't. But knowledge is true wealth. When you have knowledge, then you're a rich person. Ein ani ela bida'as. If you have no knowledge, you are poor. Maestre Yusiyog and therefore the true wealth is knowledge. Das. If you want to become even wealthier, take from your time and teach others. That is the way you will preserve your wealth. Even though you can sit and learn the deepest secrets of Kabbalah, the deepest concepts in Halacha, yet you sacrifice 10% of your time and Inspire others, teach others to learn the olive base, teach others the laws of tefillin, teach others how to light Shabbos candles, that will preserve your wealth. The next level is Masoidis Seyoglotera. Through Masoidis, through these transmitted oral law, we preserve the Torah. Torah, according to the Alter Rebbe, in Tanya, is the letter Vav of God's name. So the Yud is Chachma, the He is Bina, and Vav represents Zah, which is the Midos. Torah represents the emotions, because in Torah, you have laws that are Mutter, permissible, and you have laws that are Asr, prohibited. You have the opinion of Shammai, who is very stringent, Gavura, severity, judgment, criticism, critical, and then you have the opinion of Hillel, Chesed, kindness, love, etc., etc. So Torah is associated with the Vav, which are the Midos. And as we explained earlier from the Bartonura, that the proof of Masoidis Siyagla Torah is connected with the letter Vav. Does Sukkah have the Vav or not? Does Atem or Oisam have the Vav or not? So we have Yud and He and Vav. And then we move on to Sukhaik Vakalis Reish, Magilin Esa Adam Le'erva. And that is 
through laughter and through frivolity, man comes to nakedness. What is nakedness? The prohibition of nakedness, the word erva is ra vav hey. The evil of the vav and the hey. The vav and the hey, according to Kabbalah, represents the union between man and wife, the union between man and woman. The vav and the hey. And if you have a prohibited union, the ra, it's evil and wrong, you are taking the letters of God's name and you are bringing it down into a place of impurity and defilement. It's interesting to note that when Moshe Rabbeinu told the Jewish people about the laws of Erva, of Gilead Royas, the laws dealing with prohibited relations, it says the Jewish people began to cry. And to paraphrase, on a simple level, what did they say? Moshe, we can handle not mixing milk and meat together. We won't eat the cheeseburgers. Moshe, we can even handle fasting on Yom Kippur for 26 hours. But Moses, don't take away the relations. That we can't handle. That's the simple interpretation. According to Kabbalah, according to Chassidis, the deeper interpretation is that we find in Torah, for example, that Moshe's father, Amram, married his aunt, Yechevet. We find that Yaakov married two sisters. We find that Abraham officially married, as he says, my sister from my father, but not from my mother. Which today, these marriages, these unions would be prohibited. Similarly, Cain and Hevel, the first two children of Adam and Eve, marry their sisters. According to Kabbalah, this is a very, very powerful union. And in the world of Atsilus, in the highest of the four worlds, this is permissible. But down here in this world, it is prohibited because we don't have the vessels to bring this fusion together. A woman once asked the Rebbe, how come there are so many prohibitions when it comes to Aroyot? How come there are so many prohibitions when it comes to relations? You're not allowed to be with this one and you have to first be married and you have to separate every month for, for two weeks and you can't look at the person's nail and you can't look at the person's this. You can't even think about the person. Why are there so many prohibitions? And the Rebbe said that marriage and intimacy is atomic energy. It's explosive. When it comes to atomic energy, you have to be very careful. And therefore, there are so many fences that the Torah sets up for us. And so Rabbi Akiva, who was a great sage, who began to learn at the age of 40 years old. In other words, until 40, he could not even read the olive base. In other words, it's never too late. We could always chaparain. We could always begin to learn and become a great sage like Rabbi Akiva. The Talmud tells us a powerful story that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, was walking through the halls of the Yeshiva Shalomayla. He was walking through the halls of the heavenly Yeshiva. And he sees a great teacher by the name of Rabbi Akiva. He turns to God. He says, God, who's this guy? Who's this rabbi? Who's this professor? He's brilliant. 
God says, come Moses, come with me together. Let's sit down in the class. Let's hear what he has to say. Rabbi Kiva was revealing the greatest secrets of the Torah. He was talking about the crowns on top of the letters. Not only was he expounding on the letters, but he was expounding upon the crowns on top of the letters. And he was learning tile tilim, which means mounds upon mounds of laws from the crowns of the letters. Moshe Rabbeinu becomes totally humbled. He is silent. He can't believe it. He feels so insignificant. He says, God, wow, look at this guy. He's amazing. I can't compare myself to him. God says, Moshe, don't be so nervous. Don't be so humble. Listen, let him finish the class. And finally, Rabbi Akiva finishes the class. And then he says, whatever I said here today, whatever I taught you, whatever we learned together, everything was given from Moses on Sinai. Moshe turns to God and says, God, I never said that. Why is he giving me the credit? God said to Moshe, you are mistaken. You gave him the general laws. You gave him the general concepts. And he extrapolated from those teachings. And therefore, yes, it was given by you on Sinai. And so we are told, all insights that a Talmud Vasik, Asid Chadish, even a student in our generation that will study the Torah and will find new insights in Torah. Everything was given from Moses on Sinai. And so we hope and pray that in the merit of learning Pirkei Avot, we will truly be encouraged to bring more light into the world, to bring the letters of God into the re- world in a revealed manner, and through charity to be redeemed from this Golos for the coming of Mashiach speedily in our days.